You stand in the presence of Daenerys Stormborn of House Targaryen, rightful heir to the Iron Throne, rightful Queen of the Andals and the First Men, protector of the Seven Kingdoms, the Mother of Dragons, the Khaleesi of the Great Grass Sea, the Unburnt, the Breaker of Chains. This is Jon Snow. He's king in the north. I think there was some poetic justice. Some poetic justice, some real justice. I am still in the stage where I don't know how to coherently speak about any of this episode. So I'm going to need a minute, I feel Thank like. you for joining us, everyone. This is Game of Bones, and we are very excited to welcome our guests, our friends, fellow podcast, Radio Westeros. Hey, guys. Thank you for inviting us on. We're really flattered by your invitation and great to join you, although it, it is the early hours here in England, and uh, <laughs> Yolk boys I'm going to be staying up late for no, us. You just got some coffee. You guys are so much more hardcore than we are. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> we usually go to bed at 10 o'clock when it's over. So we so. sleep. To a Game of Thrones. <laughs> this is hardcore. So, how did you guys feel? I know this isn't your normal format. We were just talking before the the show began, but this is our. We're in the same living room. There's a crackling fire, even though it's the middle of the summer. Winter is here. Episode three: The Queen's Justice. Lady Olena's dead. <sighs> right out the gate with that. <laughs> Sorry, Aww. she won though. You know, you you can die and you can still <sighs> win. You know, she did. We'll talk about this, but my favorite part of all of what we get to do is reading through everybody's owns and all of the different comments that come in right after the episode airs and i think that about 85 percent of them last time i checked were all just lady olena nothing else matters in this episode which is crazy because we'll get into the details of the 10 billion things that happened in this episode but that moment was just so unbelievable that everybody can't help but but pick that out as as the moment of the episode and john and daenerys met Oh, yeah, that, that was like a footnote, <laughs> wasn't it? No, 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 wins. What's been brewing since 1996 happened tonight on television. Mm. I know that you guys have been looking forward to it for a very long time. What was it like seeing it happen on the TV show? Surreal. Was it everything that you hoped for? Yeah. You know, it was more because I never thought, it, I always thought it was icky. And now I, I saw it happen and I was actually oddly happy. We have to talk about this. <laughs> I think that most, a lot of people listening, I think it's kind of split down the middle. I think that a lot of people have mixed feelings on what looks like is happening. Mm -hmm. Lady Gwyn said to me, mm -hmm. you know, this is a secret, but I'm just going to tell everyone, all the Game of Owns listeners. She said, you boy, you know, I never thought I'd say this, but I think I'm a John and Daenerys shipper. <laughs> <laughs> It's all happening to us against our will. Oh, my God. I feel so conflicted. <laughs> when did it begin? Was it right when he walked in and got the full weight of that intimidating throne room? Or was it their private convo on the cliffs kind of when like, they, Danny looked at him as he walked away? That really sealed the deal. I think it was mm -hmm. all those significant <laughs> shots of their eyes, the close-ups of their faces. Isn't it kind of wild? I feel like it just feels like fan fiction, you know, because so... For so long, this was an idea that I think existed for most people only in fan theory and fan fiction. And to see it play out on the screen before we ever even get 
anywhere near in the series is really, really surreal. And to have them say each other's names and for Davos to introduce John to Daenerys Targaryen at Dragonstone. This is Jon Snow. <laughs> which was such a cool, cool moment. Yes. Um, the the weight of, of that, I feel like I need to rewatch those this episode a hundred more times before I think it can really mm. sink into the gravity of what happened in this episode with these conversations that had so much history behind them between these two people who are much more alike than they could even understand yet. Yeah, well said. Well said. And and that that's just the first chapter, isn't it? We're talking like the, these two characters are together and, you know, they've had a couple of conversations and they didn't really get along for half of it. There was one was one look, and that that was all. You know, now now it's romantic. I remember thinking when I was watching it, it's cheesy, but I was just really I was grateful when we were watching. I was just like, I'm so grateful for these John and Danny scenes right now. And for the, I didn't think that they were going to get a a one on one this early. And I thought it was going to be you know treated with people like Tyrion mm-hmm. holding council, people like Missandei there, people like Davos as well, mm-hmm. because. This is a big meeting, not only just big for people who like John Daenerys' characters, but this is the King of the North, minus his backstory, which makes it even more insane historically and even just for the sake of how cool that is. It's nuts. But just for the King of the North, while all this rebellion is taking place, to be meeting with the Targaryen force that we saw at the end of season six, who's made their way to you know the Seven Kingdoms now with what's happening. It's like for them to have that one-on-one, it was such a cool moment, and I'm glad that Daenerys saved it to give Jon the news that they could mine and that she would help and give all the help that he needed personally. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was it was such a strange introduction for Jon to kind of show up and say, "Hey, you know, Daenerys, uh, you know, there's a zombie in invasion. Can, can you help me out?" The Walking Dead, season nineteen. It's gotten mm-hmm. worse. <laughs> <laughs> when they're married with kids and they'll look back and say, how did our relationship start? Oh, yeah. You, you know, you're... it's a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never believe it. The Walking Dead, yeah. One of my favorite things to see, and I knew I would love it, is watching Tyrion go between them. And also the both Danny and John having a chance to kind of commiserate together over Tyrion and how he likes to talk. I thought that that was sweet. And it's it's going to take a while for me to get used to these conversations being real and actually happening. Um, so everything anybody says it's to real. each other is exciting <laughs> to me <laughs> right happening. now. Yes. But to watch Tyrion, these two people that he, I mean, he knows Danny much better than he knows John, but he spent some quality time with him. He trusts him. He understands that he's a man of honor. To be able to have conversations with both of them and kind of help navigate this new political situation between the two of them Tyrion is just, I mean, he's the best man for the job. And you can't imagine anybody else being able to mediate between the two of them in this type of situation than him. And it's really exciting to see that finally play out after talking Mm -hmm. about it for so long. Yeah, Pushing down to the third episode, I feel the end of season six and the beginning of season seven has been the path and the cementing of a lot of our players and the positions of power that they're in. But when I watched this episode, I felt like we were seeing Tyrion reaching his purpose. If John and Danny our ice and fire, the way that the after show explanations from the show creators build it, the way that Melisandre build it with Varys, if that's mm. what's happening here, I really saw like Tyrion. It's just that almost everything he's gone through, particularly with John and Danny in their own way, what he's gotten to know about each of them and his own personal 
power and becoming a good studied hand of the king with strategy good enough for someone like Daenerys to trust him. He's just this. There's no one else that could have mediated between these two. And it was happening mm-hmm. so fast and it needed to mm-hmm. happen so fast. It just felt faded. All of it felt like it was supposed to happen. Like Varys and Melisandre were saying, it was so weird. Mm-hmm. It all makes sense now. Tyrion's arc and, right. mm-hmm. you know, it all sort of led to that. Speaking of Varys and Melisandre. Yeah. Yes. Is that a weird scene? <laughs> please. I have so many questions <laughs> that I'm hoping you guys can answer. <laughs> I don't know what answers. I have. I had questions too. They both have to die. Is, has she seen Varys's death, or is you know is she just messing with his head? It sounds like she's seen both of their deaths in her mm-hmm. own, obviously her own. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this is one of the biggest questions of the episode that I had, at least coming out of it, in terms of something that I just don't understand. And also, I got like five text messages, and I responded to all of them. Of asked me in a few days when I had a chance to think about it. <laughs> but yeah, they talk about how. They both have to die in Westeros. And I just, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, did she see his or both of their deaths? What does that necessarily mean for where both of them go? I don't know. I just, I have no idea. I think it's one of the bigger questions of the episode right now. And why did she need to die in Westeros? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Aladdin to the mix uh, a fair few seasons ago, uh, Mel- Melisandre prophesied that she would see Arya again, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe mm-hmm. that that was a prophecy that will, you know, play out and mm-hmm. we will see Melisandre. I'm sure we will. I, I don't know why they would say that if she wasn't going to come back. So I'm sure she's right. gone for good. And, you know, what she what she's gone to do now, what, what she's going to do off screen. Why does she have mm-hmm. to stop in Volantis first before going back to King's Landing? Mm. Or not King's Landing, but Westeros. So did she leave here? Like we are to assume that she's not going to see John and, and Davos and any of them and that she's on her way to Volantis now? That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. I think so. It makes yeah, sense. I think, I think she correctly predicted that her yeah. reunion with John and Davos wouldn't go very well. So. <laughs> yeah. It was a good move on her part. <laughs> so do you think, sure. you think that she's headed off to be a wild card later on and perhaps draw some power to her side or... I think that there's maybe someone she needs to meet and get information from. I, th- I, I think I, I think we could see her in like season eight. You, you know, coming right. back. I think I think we're meant to forget about her for a while. You know, and maybe mm. she's she's at the back of our minds somewhere, and then she comes comes back. And you know, she's always been a character that I thought was like an end game character. She's all about the end game, isn't she? Probably more right. invested in the end game than any other character. If you think about it, she's. She's she's all for fighting the others and everything. No, no matter what her flaws may be, she is on the right side of that one. Yeah, and we've talked about her sort of sacrificing herself, you know, this sort of sacrificial. Yeah, in, in the vein of Nissa Nissa. I mean, she must exactly. kind of almost worship Nissa Nissa, really. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that's the, the path that she's headed down and that's the role that she's talking about when she's referring to it with Varys? She seemed very proud of the fact she's going to die, wasn't she? She wasn't like, Varys, she's like, you're going to die. But the way she said it about herself was like, you know, I'm, I've got to fulfill my duty here. Yeah. Yeah. I have a role role to play here. And Arya's going to be nearby, or at least at some point before it happens. According yeah, to prophecy. Seems- mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I mean, if we're going to listen to any of it, we have to <laughs> yeah. listen to all of it, right? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a fair thing to assume. I don't know. That scene, though. I feel like, first off, Varys and the outfit change. We got a tweet earlier in the day that was the a promotional photograph of them standing on those rocks. And it said, Varys is a mermaid theory 
debunked Ugh. because now we yes. can see his legs and it's clearly <laughs> not the tail of a mermaid what a bummer my Aww. favorite theory of all time is that Varys is a mermaid and one of the cruxes of that theory is that we never see his legs and unfortunately <laughs> I can no longer uh, talk about that as a piece of evidence but there's much more for us There's to continue to books. hold on to belief for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, he shimmied into the throne room to <laughs> deliver the news. He the throne room. He's standing by the ocean. <laughs> you know, the list goes on. Making, so. a, making a squish, squish sound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'd be really hard to tuck his mermaid tail into those. The, I mean, the outfit change was fantastic. Varys was killing it this episode. Collins Hill's performance. That, that, that scene between those two was just, uh, I don't know. We were speculating last week about how Varys would treat Melisandre versus how he treated King Vara just with his whole relationship with that branch mm-hmm. of magic in the world. And I, I was curious at his tone, his approach. And I often go back to this, but if we could compare his behavior to someone like Baelish in this episode, where do you guys think collectively they stand right now in playing the game? And do you see them in the same position as you saw them early on? Well, I think Varys is in a better position absolutely yeah he doesn't have enough friends peter baelish does he really he's Mm -mm. he's uh you know all it takes is one or two people to turn against him and he doesn't really have much in his corner and uh you know i kind kind of think he's got his eyes on sansa and it's his big weakness he's taken his eye off whatever prize he wanted probably sansa was his prize and yeah that 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 will feed into his end game, I think. Probably at the end of this season. I I don't expect to see Baelish in season eight, put it that way. No. I mean, think about Var- Varys has people that, you know, seem to at least legitimately trust him or value his input. And I, I don't think Littlefinger does in any way. Um, you know, he's supposedly valued for his in the show that he, he brought the Vale army. But, you know, Young Royce doesn't trust him. Right. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I don't know really what value he is as far as keeping the Vale army there, really. The types of conversations that Varys and Danny are having versus the type of conversations that Sansa and Littlefinger are having. Right. If you can even call those conversations. <laughs> conversations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the multiverse conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> Just... <laughs> What are you even talking about? <laughs> Baelish confirms the multiverse. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, that's what I wanted to bring up. I thought it was just, it was so eerie. the and, and it struck her eerily as well. So I don't think I was alone in this. It was so eerie. And then it cut directly to Bran arriving in Winterfell. Mm-hmm. He's back mm-hmm. after all of these seasons. And he's actually a character that can kind of see the time in the world that they live, live in as a multiverse. And I was just like, what is going on here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Littlefinger's comments, you know, you've got to be living everywhere at the same time, followed by Bran's, you know, literal, more literal statement mm-hmm. that he can do that. You know, I think that they were placed almost next door to each other for a reason, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Littlefinger can scheme as as much as he wants. But I was talking to Lady Gwyn. Lady Gwyn, why don't you say your ideas about Bran? Oh, yeah, Bran. You know, he he was really weird. His his whole you know demeanor with Sansa. I'm sure you all picked. Up I laughed. Laugh. <laughs> I like. I couldn't help but laugh during that scene because it just was so. I just was caught off it's guard very, almost by how weird it was. Kind of robotic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I just, he, he then he made this weird comment about her, you know, seeing her marry Ramsay, 
you know, you looked so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so, all the things so, he could have picked. So if he really can see everything, you know, then Lady Gwyn was saying, what if he's the one that says to Sansa, you know what really happened to your dad? Because I've seen it. Uh, it's a mm. bit ambiguous whether he needs the weirwoods to see. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the books, it really spells it out that you can get beyond seeing the weirwoods and then you don't you know as a green sea you can just see everything see beyond the trees so if that's the case you you know he could be the one that says you know little finger killed our father you know he could tell sansa Mm -hmm. that 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 could be the end of baelish that could be literally next episode when they're together when he sees baelish just in the side of the room by the way that guy like oh i see i see what you did yeah it Mm would have been nice if he would have talked to sansa about that instead of what he ended up but bringing does he up know it that just Bran seems is, so out of place. Yeah, does Bran even know that Littlefinger's there? I think it's it's maybe not clear. And I think that that weird comment that he did make may have been to establish, you know, to Sansa that he can, like to prove that he can see things. That's true. Because think yeah. about it, otherwise he, he might say, well, you know, Peter Baelish did this thing and he could be like, no, I didn't. And she wouldn't know who to believe. But if he has already Bran has already established himself as having this bizarre power to see things that he shouldn't know about you know Mm -hmm. she's more likely to believe him do you think that's why he went for such a strong story probably because she would know that there's you know there's no way he could have seen that um that it was snowing and you know all the all the little details that he Mm -hmm. gave her i hope that she can look past that yeah and i I think that she can but i hope that Mm -hmm. she doesn't just kind of dismiss, not dismiss Brand, but just be hurt by that, that he would bring something like that mm-hmm. up and, and mm-hmm. take into account how useful all of this can be. And, and, you know, she walked away, which I don't blame her. Her brother is here and she is so thrilled to see him. And the scene of them reuniting and her face was just, I just had tears in my eyes. Mm. And, and so, I, 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 yeah, it was, it was really powerful. And so I hope that she can understand and i think that she can that that what brand's power is is going to be a complete and total game changer for everybody and that they'll be able to use it in a way that's beneficial for and that we're not going to continue on some weird stark sibling uh turmoil storyline you know well at least brand took him he took himself off the table straight away didn't he he's just not interested he's not he's not a politician yeah yeah Yeah, and that's been a big question that i think i've had this whole season of well what happens if brand comes because he has a real the real claim but if he doesn't want it then that's the end of that conversation i guess yeah took himself right out of it and uh, i i really think you know given you talk trailers right i mean Mm -hmm. that so the um you know, the obviously everyone's seen this one. Anyways, it was one of the one of the first season trailers. I think it may have been the second one where the voiceover was Sansa talking about quoting Ned. Really, that when the um, winter comes and you know the lone wolf dies and the pack survives, I really think that has to be indicative that a major theme of the season is the Starks coming together. They they wouldn't mm-hmm. have chosen that that quote as their major trailer voiceover do you think that they're going to have some obstacles to overcome like potentially sansa could be just judging by this meeting kind of Mm -hmm. scared or at least a a bit leery of the kind of power Mm -hmm. that bran has not understand it and same could be said for Arya if she returns 
Yeah, I think so. But I think also they set it up for, you know, that little, that conversation between Tyrion and John about Sansa, brief as it was, set us up to see, you know, Sansa is actually pretty smart. You know, yeah. I do, so I, I think she'll figure it out. She's yeah, killing the game in terms of the, the logistics. Walk and talk, it was so yeah. good. It the was Westeros so good. walk and talk. I loved it. Hey, so we've seen uh, Bran and we've also seen Arya in some ways kind of, you know, in this in this dynamic of master and pupil, and and the pupil has surpassed the the master in some way. So it's Sansa's turn now, isn't it? And it's Littlefinger. Oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah. That is your I like boy. that a lot. That's so good. <laughs> I mean, it's so obvious. We should have said it out loud before, but then the way you said it, it's so beautiful with your accent. <laughs> <laughs> and Cersei too. I think we can fall into the category of her being Cersei's people as well. Like she's been. The people of so yeah. many yep. different mm-hmm. players in Westeros. Cersei, the mm-hmm. people uh, of her father, was also just Tywin Lannister reborn in this episode. Maybe a step higher. It was so good. Mm-hmm. We got some good so Tywin good. shout outs and I was loving it. Honestly, though, so good. This episode was so fun to watch. I just, I don't know if you guys felt the same, but it probably has a lot to do with so much of the content being new. But I was watching at one point, I think it was when you know, when Cersei was talking to Ilaria, I stood up and just stood right in front of the television. Strike was a little annoyed that I was in his way, but I don't think he sees all the color on the screen. <laughs> I mean, I was pulled into it. This was an epic episode and I felt like it flowed Unlike the others, and we've been saying that each week now in season seven, but season two felt more relatable to the other seasons, or episode two, I I mean, felt more relatable to what I've seen before. But this third episode, the way they used John and Danny as the sort of the backbone of the episode and then moved around Mm it, it was just, Mm -hmm. I don't know, every time they cut to a different thing, it was so, it was like crack, you had to watch it. And the soundtrack was unbelievable. It reminded me a lot more of like the season six finale in the way that it flowed and the way that the music moved us through and a lot of these walking long walking scenes the one on the outside of dragonstone when john and Tyrion were walking and drogon flies over that was that looked so cool it looked so fresh it it was just like what an approach Mm -hmm, it was mm a pretty modern cinematographic approach in an episode that feels so epic to to go to those angles it was it's kind of bold to make use of space like that but it really pulled me into it and made me feel like they were just the same john and Tyrion that we knew back in season one when they were hanging out in way less fancy of environments but now that we're you know getting led up to the throne room with the queen and you're the king it's nice that they gave us some relatable footage you know and like a moment where john literally drops to the ground because he's so scared of how crazy it is there he hit the deck didn't he yeah but did you did anybody pick up so the dragons fly overhead and a minute later he said I'm not a Stark. Yeah. I know. And I'm just like, whoa. It's like a little heavy handed there. Whoa. <laughs> we get it. Did you see get his it. eyes when he looked at the dragons though? Yeah. I mean. I'm not a Stark. <laughs> yeah. It's in his blood. <laughs> yeah. It was <laughs> a little heavy handed, but I, I mean, I'm still into every second of it. Yeah. So you touched on briefly Cersei and, Il- and Ilaria, and I want to head back to that if we can, because- we, I just felt like that scene was so unbelievable in a time when the Dornish plot hasn't sat well with most of us for good reason. Mm-hmm. They're having this scene together, and I, I keep wanting to call it a conversation, even though it's not a conversation at all, about Oberyn's death and everything that has happened with 
Marcella and just the history between the two of them and how they're both mothers and how they both are driven by love. And it was so, you get Cersei over the edge in this episode Mm. because you can just see how much she is loving what is happening. And Ilaria's face is just unbelievable as she, the pain in her eyes as she is listening to everything that Cersei is saying. It was such a really powerful zoomed in moment. And I just, I loved it. (laughs) I don't Mm -hmm. know what else to say. And I'm just curious what you guys think about this as we wrap up what I assume is going to be the end of this whole Dorn plot that we've all struggled with, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a bit, sorry. (laughs) A lot of feelings in the room right now. It it was a classic um, Martinian moment, really. I mean, it, it was uh, one of those moments where they really succeeded in showing some of the messages George tries to show us in the books, sort of the futility of revenge, because what I was reminded of when I, you know, we all kind of predicted this would happen, but I started mm-hmm. thinking about it and I thought about the chain of revenge goes back so far. It actually begins with Cersei, you know, it begins with Rhaegar rejecting Cersei and taking Elia and then Tywin killing Elia and her children, which, you know, books, I don't know if the show has really gotten into this, but books wise, we're assuming that Tywin had this sort of, you know, rage at Elia over that. And then the whole, you know, Oberyn is angry at Tywin. So he, his death is related to that revenge. You know, it's just on and on and on. And it's just, where does it end? That's mm-hmm. what I thought was uh, where is this going to end? And that's to me, that's like the essence of George R. R. Martin. So um, showing us that sort of thing. And you can apply that to even Danny and John's conversation, not just mm-hmm. even this happening yeah. here. They had the same yeah. combo. I was glad that the, the death wasn't too horrific, you know, mm. in a, in a way it was anticlimactic in the sense that, you know, Robert Strong is standing there and you the kind of things that I was expecting didn't happen. And they went for a yeah. Cersei went for a poetic justice, which is kind of unlike her really. But I'm, I'm yeah. glad that they did that and they showed I, I don't know, some kind of uh slight nuance to Cersei that, you know, she can be a thinker when she wants to be. Mm-hmm. When it's about something like revenge. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know, but it, it was such a devastating fate that she stuck Ilaria with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and to watch them suffer and mm-hmm. eventually rot in front of her mm-hmm. and the, mm-hmm. specifically the the level of light in the room and that narrow passageway with two torches on either side, making sure, what did she say, on the hour that the torches were checked? Every couple were, hours, yeah. Every couple hours, yeah. So, so imagine she's sleeping. It's just full, fully in a couple of weeks, imagine the the atmosphere in there. It's just in in the kind of way that she's dying from poison as well is not going to help with that process. I know those are gross details, but mm. Cersei, I think. I mean, I was watching and I was just like, man, I, I was kind of impressed with the writers. I was like, you guys just yeah. <laughs> you thought of a pretty uh, this is a pretty cruel way to go. Good on you. Yeah, it was. It was not gratuitous. I was kind of cringing and expecting something really horrible. Um, and that we'd have to suffer through it too, but it's almost better <laughs> that you just have in your imagination all of that stuff you described kind of ha- happening off screen while the rest of 
the action is going forward. Did you guys think that Cersei was going to attack one of them? I felt like she was just, you could feel the rage radiating off of her. Mm -hmm. And the kiss Mm -hmm. was like, oh. I was almost surprised that that's the way that it happened. Yeah. Because I think, as we're talking about, this was a more poetic way to handle the situation. And that's not typically her style. And so I was almost caught off guard by the fact that she wasn't a little bit more ruthless almost, even though that's an Mm -hmm. awful way to go. So definitely unexpected for me to have it happen this way, I think. If we think about, I guess, the people she made moves on in this episode, she established her move with Euron early. He came and (sighs) the promise there is that she's going to be married to him. She kissed Nymeria. It's Nymeria, right? That's the one that's in there. Is there any difference? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm ashamed to admit I do not know the difference. Fair. And she kissed her and she passed away. She will. She's going to die. And uh, before Jamie left, you know, we've been we've been leading up to, I guess, growth. And I know that it's definitely specific in A Feast for Crows and A Dance with Dragons. Uh, when we understand what's happening in King's Landing as far as Jamie's attitude towards Cersei is. And we've been feeling it pretty strongly in the show as far as, you know, pretty well through last season. You could argue maybe a little bit before that. What, you know, she used her sexuality here, her her relationship with Jamie to, do you think it was to make sure that he carried out the next leg of their operations? Or do you think it was because she was drunk and she wanted to be with I Jamie? I don't know. I couldn't I, figure it I out. I think I think it was her celebration. I think yeah. that yeah. she, you know, she she was uh, that was her way of kind of partying after. Hey, I've done something great. I'm winning the war, you know. Mm-hmm. And she's getting back to, oh yeah, Jamie, you know, and looking at him. Oh yeah, I quite like him after all. You know, things are going yeah. well. She's starting right. to see him in a, the old yeah. through her old eyes. Can we talk about how Jamie? That scene was so, I loved it so much of him just, he's just hanging out. He's sitting there. He took his hand off. He's just trying to relax. <laughs> it was so great. And then he rolls in. I love the way you watch TV. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought of the same exact That's way. The I was There's like, no way you weren't relaxing. thinking about it too. <laughs> I know. It's, My his apartment, says, you know, like Jamie just is his bachelor. Chilling. Mm-hmm. You know, he was about to turn on whatever Netflix or HBO mm-hmm. is making. Finally. Maybe turn on History of Westeros or Radio <laughs> Westeros to see how the, <laughs> you know, speculation is going. Mm-hmm. And then his whole flame just bursts in and he doesn't really want it. I don't know if he, but he was fine with it at the end. I mean, he's like holding her hand as they're asleep. So she, He was staring into her eyes when she was asleep. It was so sweet. It was really sweet. I'm sorry, Brienne. And Jamie fans, that was such a mm-hmm. sweet moment. I wonder if it was hard no. for you guys. Um, you know what I thought is uh, my after watching that scene and the ones that went before, I thought, well, you know, show show Cersei is really not as dumb as book Cersei, right? Appears to be, but show Jamie, on the other hand, <laughs> is really not as smart as book Jamie. Yeah, I just oh, I didn't expect it. I didn't expect that at all. It felt I like it was a step back. That. Me too. Yeah, me too. It felt yeah, like almost I really like a step thought back. That he was progressing. Yeah. I think and that this I'm whole sad. idea of a redemption arc for Jamie, I mean, if there is one at the end, it's going to be very contorted, isn't <laughs> it's it? It's like a read and flood. <sighs> and just hanging on to, I was hanging on. Maybe I just got swept away though. So you think that this is a bad 
signpost or do you think it's a just a slight speed bump maybe like a almost a last hurrah in season well, seven maybe. for us look at the conversation that we had with olena mm. the oh, way true. that he talks about her i mean yeah maybe show jamie and book jamie are gonna have the same maybe something else is gonna happen with cersei if we're still holding on to this idea that they're gonna go mm. apart and maybe they still will but i just feel like from the conversation that jamie and olena had about how she very obviously sees that Cersei has such a strong hold on him to the scene mm-hmm. of them together to Cersei just opening the door and letting the world, aka her handmaidens, see exactly what's going on. Oh, jeez. I <laughs> yeah. forgot about you know? that. Yeah, I just I don't I don't know what that means. And is it gonna be Euron that's gonna get in between them? That's gonna be the last straw. It very well could be. But he just mm-hmm. he really, really, really loves her. I know mm-hmm. he really does. And it was it was so sincere. Mm-hmm. It, it was, was so it sincere. was sweet. On the other hand, it, you know, well, the Elena's confession. Do you think that kind of changes everything? I mean, it. I thought, geez, that that changes everything they thought they knew. True. Yeah, this whole the whole revenge arc against Tyrion is. Oh yes, she yeah. thinks Cersei is convinced it was Tyrion, and that's turned the you know turn that over, hasn't it? Tyrion told Jamie he did in the sh- right in the show like. It, he told Jamie that, that he, he did. Killed. Yeah, I get sometimes confused between the show and books. <laughs> yeah, and <stuff>. <laughs> literally same. <laughs> yeah, so I think that just that just um, that, but that changes everything for him in one way, in in every, and for her too. I don't know how it changes anything between them. Um, certainly, everything they thought they knew about Tyrion. Well, if if Jamie and Tyrion do meet again, and we talked about it before the season, we were expecting. One future where Jamie is meeting with the Tyrion that has killed both Joffrey and Tywin, but now it could potentially like he could have the foundations just of all this. And then the unfairness of Tyrion being put on trial and everything is in Tyrion's mm-hmm. favor whenever they meet each other again, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which really changes potential to change his Jamie's entire perspective on everything that's happened. Yoke boy, that redemption arc might not be too far away. I'm clinging. <laughs> Knowing Game of Thrones, it will be like, you know, one scene. He, he suddenly <laughs> changes his mind and rides off for Brienne or something. You know, it'll be like a two-minute scene. <laughs> and we'll all be cheering anyway. Yeah, re- re- <laughs> it finally makes so redeemed. much sense. And then we finally get the Lady <laughs> yeah. Stoneheart reveal. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if they can if they can take out ha- uh, House Frey in in uh, t- two scenes, they can give us a redemption arc as well. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by Jamf Now. When you first start your business, it's pretty easy to keep track of your own computer and phone. But as you grow and start to buy more tech for your employees, it gets harder to keep track of everyone's Macs, iPhones, and iPads. Thankfully, Jamf Now helps you manage your Apple devices from anywhere. Need to secure the iPad that your sales rep lost on a recent business trip? Jamf Now allows you to configure settings, protect sensitive information, even lock or wipe a device from anywhere. That way, you can focus on your business. No IT expertise needed. And now, Game of Owns listeners can set up their first three devices for free. Add more for just two bucks a month per device. Start securing your business today. Go to jamf.com slash owns to create a free account and set up your three free devices today. That's J-A-M-F dot com slash owns. This week's episode is sponsored by Blue Apron. Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. 
For less than $10 a meal, they deliver seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients right to your door. My favorite part about coming home from vacation is having a brand new Blue Apron waiting for me at my front door. Blue Apron is completely flexible, so you can customize your recipes each week, and Hannah can choose a delivery option that fits her needs. And Blue Apron's freshness guarantee promises that every ingredient arrives ready to cook or they'll make it right. Some of the meals available in August include... Basil pesto chicken with summer vegetable panzanella, sautéed shrimp and green beans with globe tomatoes, spinach, and orzo pasta, whole grain pasta and summer vegetables with heirloom tomato caprese salad, miso butter salmon and lo mein noodles with cucumber and charmed tomatoes, and finally meatball pizza with fresh mozzarella cheese and charmed tomatoes. You can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash owns. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash O-W-N-S. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Today's show is sponsored by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job and to find the best candidates? Finding great talent can be tough. Thankfully, with ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash owns. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash O-W-N-S. One more time, to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash O-W-N-S. Can we talk about the Guy Ritchie sequence when uh, we were getting introduced to Casterly Rock with Tyrion's voiceover? <gasps> okay. How amazing was that? That scene was unbelievable in my opinion mm-hmm. and preach Hannah. that's the smartest thing i have to say about it <laughs> <laughs> my notes on this scene are just like i, I first of all we finally the, the sewer story i mean we see casterly rock mm-hmm. and then we get Tyrion narrating about how they're gonna get in and then he goes, he didn't build the sewers, so he gave the job to the lowest person he could find, me. And he talks about Ooh. how he got this entryway for his lower pursuits, as he calls them. And when that. he <laughs> quotes Braun again, oh, Cassidy Rock is an impregnable Naps. forces, but as a good friend once told, or a good friend once told me, I mean, I mean, could it get any, as, as he's saying all this stuff, we're watching Grey Worm lead the charge in this battle that we've been thinking about for so long mm-hmm. it's a uh, it was really really an unbelievable scene it's a trap mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and it was a trap <laughs> yeah the whole thing was a trap <laughs> and i love the fact that they he quotes braun and a moment later, there's Braun on well, moments, mere moments later, there's Braun on screen. How on the other side, was man. Sir Braun of the Blackwater. And what is he doing up there with you know Randall Tarley and Jamie Lannister? Yes, I was thinking that <laughs> how much he's climbed since the, 
There <laughs> the he gates is. of the moon. Oh man, <laughs> the legend. Yeah, no, I'm so glad he's still alive. I'm so thankful there's a Snapchat filter that makes everyone look like mm-hmm. him. I'm just, I don't we know. We got a Rob Stark I'm shout out even in this moment. I mean, what more could anybody ask respect, for? Respect, <laughs> respect to Jamie Lannister for following Rob Stark's advice at the Whispering Wood. I was into it. Yes, that was good. And then he marches straight into High Garden. So that whole sequence was just. Yeah. Not sure if it was just because I wanted to, but I felt a dramatic shift in the episode when uh, the voiceover with Tyrion happened, and especially when Grey Worm realized that it was a trap and he saw Euron's forces just destroying them like sitting ducks mm-hmm. outside of Castle Rock. And then it, it started cutting to the sweeping shots of Elena standing in her balcony and the Lannister forces approaching. High Garden, and we got to see the wonderful view of it. Kind of looked like Edoras almost up on the hill. Mm-hmm. Look at the majesty of the Queen of Thorns in her balcony. No matter what happens next, like you had that moment with her in High Garden, that was so cool. Yeah, it was very cool. It was. It was a be- beautiful kind of shot, and that you know the sinking feeling of she didn't seem to have anyone to defend her, did she? She's kind of like the princess in the tower or something. Yeah, she's just sitting there waiting for fate to catch up with her, really. Yeah, she knows exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think about her final scene? That was amazing. That just that stole the episode for me. Mm-hmm. She went out with, with class, dignity, and one final little twist of the knife. It was classic Queen of Thorns. Tell Cersei. <laughs> Man, <laughs> I'm just sitting here shaking my head out of just... It says a lot that in an episode where Ice and Fire met and they actually said Ice and Fire is meeting <laughs> right now. They're meeting in this episode for the narrative post to be mostly about Elena Tyrell. That says mm-hmm. a lot Yeah, there was just about the impact she made on the series. There was just mm-hmm. so much that Cersei did right in this episode in terms of for her own gain. I mean, the Lannisters, it felt like finally got a decently real hold in this episode whereas the last couple episodes we haven't really seen how they could accomplish anything meaningful and so to have this big moment be totally taken away from them by olena dropping this i mean she's had the poison she's done and then dropping this on it just it takes that victory completely out of anything that they accomplished that and it's martinian isn't it to you know he he treats bad guys and he treats good guys equally so he doesn't like to give characters too too much of a kind of podium to kind of celebrate victory on you know when characters are doing well it never lasts and cersei has this double victory like you say i think that was essential for the kind of tension in this season and then uh, elena ends up in checkmate somehow. She's been forced into suicide and she's the one that's moving for checkmate. No wonder why she so gracefully takes it, you know? She just like, Mm -hmm. she's like, yep, this is it. Um, But I did love their exchange a little bit before this one. She talks about how much, they're talking about Joffrey's sword and she (laughs) asks Jamie, how will you do it? Is it with a sword? And they're talking about what the name of the sword is and Jamie's like, Widow's whale. <laughs> 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 it's just so annoying talking about about Joffrey, and I thought that was that was cool, and 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 it's just so rewarding to see Jamie and Elena talk about Joffrey's death 
like this and to have Jamie talk about Rob Stark at the Whispering Wood and to have Tyrion and John and Danny all talking about their fathers. Uh, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's really cool. <laughs> it's really, really cool. Service me. Yes. HBO. I mean, if people want to call it fan service, <laughs> I'm totally fine with it because we're far off from where the books are anyway. So let's just turn this into something that we can enjoy. It's great to see the convergence, isn't it? Of the, You know, there's a time in season four, season five, when it just sometimes felt a bit meandering, like the different threads of the plot, just, you know, where's it going? And Mm -hmm. to see it come together, I mean, I I think that's what separates it from a lot of other TV shows, that they've successfully brought all these, you you know, different plot lines together and it makes sense as a whole now. I think that that it it really is separated almost from the rest of the show of, as well because of how much has come together. I think that that has a lot to do with what I was saying earlier about how the episode just feels different because each thing that we're going to is there's, there's setup. Yes. But in everything there's resolution. Now there's resolution from Grumpkins and snarks callbacks. And we've been getting that, you know, like clockwork every episode Mm -hmm. so far this season. So they're, like you said, they're just confidently blending everything together because now they've sort of put in the discipline to, to make it here. Now it's mm-hmm. almost like a victory lap. And we get to watch a scene where Danny and John are standing outside of Dragonstone, both of their ancestral homes in a way. And there are dragons flying mm-hmm. in the sky. And they're talking about what she named them. Yeah, She said Rhaegar. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to John. So that's pretty cool. So it's almost like, because you were talking about the 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 way this thing and the thing that Yoke Boy said about the the plot, the threads kind of being so far apart for a little while. It's like the universe expanded so much until it couldn't expand anymore. And now we're in this now it's contracting again. And it's gonna all contract down mm-hmm. to that one single point. When Bran becomes the three eyed oh, raven again God. and it all starts over. <laughs> <laughs> Um. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're like, now how am I going to sleep tonight? Is it too early uh, for us in season seven to be taking stock to continue to talk about all of these storylines converging and whether or not we think they're doing a good job? No, because really by by the, I mean, we're almost halfway through, like by the um, standards of other seasons, we're very close to halfway. So I think they're doing a, I think they're doing a grand job. I think it's, you know, it is rewarding, isn't it? So it it feels like to me that it makes sense. It's, they've got all this kind of chaos is starting to, you you know, come to a similar storyline and and then the King's Landing will be over and then we head up north, you know. You can see the shape of the kind of end game Mm -hmm. of this epic fantasy story. And they're doing a good job and they are kind of serving the fans, I think. What do you guys think? I don't care if it's fan service. That's <laughs> <laughs> how I feel. I mean, I mean, that's who's left alive to meet each other to fight mm-hmm. the White Walkers and to fight Cersei. It's like what you said earlier in the episode, Gwen. You weren't like rooting for it and you, you might have even been actively against it, but this is the world that they're living in and it looks like Danny and yes. John need each other. That, like I said to your boy, it's going to be John and Danny against the world. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm so looking forward to their heart to hearts. I know. <laughs> because you know the types of conversations that they're going to be able to have. And we're starting to see just a little bit. Like, what did Davos mean about you being back from the dead or something like that? What, yeah. what did Davos say? She knows something's going on there. You can you can tell. She's pretty smart, you know. She's She's sharp, yeah. Nothing's going to get past her. John yeah. doesn't have a chance. I guess it was smart for him not to waltz in saying he got brought back to life, but also... Probably shouldn't also open I, with it. Yeah, I feel like... <laughs> at, for, at first, though, I'm like, wouldn't that be something that you want to tell people so that people understand how legit you are? But I guess, <laughs> you know, stepping away from that, it also does not help your cause. And the fact that you're talking about White Walkers and an army of the dead, and oh, by the way... I was killed and came back to life. And also here's all these other things that are happening. So, but I have been, I feel like they've, John hasn't been talking about it at all this whole season. It's barely been addressed until mm. now. Someone needs to talk about it, damn <laughs> Someone it. Someone should. I think he's very uncomfortable with the whole, think about it. Being, being dead. dead. Being undead. <laughs> yeah. Being, being reanimated dead. Like the army, you know, it, yeah. it just... Yeah, like he'd rather. How do you bring it up? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, 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 I think it, I think John will be like, you know, I used to be dead. And Danny will be like, I walk through fire, you know. This is cool. We, we make a good couple. <laughs> yeah. Opposite <to> track. <laughs> <laughs> I was half expecting Davos to pull out his hand. You know what I mean? Like he did with the Iron Bank. Oh, yeah. But it wasn't necessary this time. Oh, the Iron Bank. Very reminiscent of that scene. And then, yeah, then we have Tycho Nostoris yeah. making a comeback. That seemed like a Chekhov's gun to me i mean why have that scene it, it was uh hmm I, I you know it's a scene that you could easily forget in the in the context of this episode i'd keep my eye on the iron bank yeah i mean it was obviously there for a purpose when she said you know and give me a fortnight and i'll have all your gold right I mean, she so, so she sacks high garden <laughs> takes their gold pays them back, or at least <laughs> and now she has less potential for them to yeah. fund her enemies mm-hmm. yeah cersei well played there. Tywin Lannister's daughter. Yeah, nice one. And before we go to Owens, I think it's important that we discuss Dumbledore, Harry. Sorry for the reference, people. Just how Dumbledore, Harry, Sam, and <sighs> uh, Archmaester Ebrose felt in this episode. Also, like a little bit of like all of the Hogwarts professors. It was just, it was, <laughs> yes. I loved everything about it. Yeah, it was very, very much Dumbledore, Harry. I'm not going to punish you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because you're so smart. Mm-hmm. I loved Jorah's, I don't know anything about treatment, just started feeling better. I think I rested <laughs> up pretty nicely. I think it was the yeah, rest. <laughs> uh-huh. What did you guys tweet toward us? You guys tweet us and own about there being mites that eat the uh, the book mice? I said uh, my own was to the dust mites in the Citadel for eating <laughs> flesh. Because that's what, that's what he said, you know. Those scrolls have got dust mites and beware because they eat flesh. <laughs> I thought that was pretty... Pretty Your funny. guys' owns have been my favorite. La- what was it last episode owned to um, Hot Pie for holding down a job? Hot Pie for holding down a job. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed for so long out loud about this. And I think that the uh, Citadel Worms is just, just as good. <laughs> I'll be sending you all my yeah, but You got me worried now. No, they're not going to spread grace. I'm just saying, like, what if it's just a horrible outbreak? Of dust mites? <laughs> <laughs> yes, of dust mites yeah, across all seven kingdoms. some sort of, um, like, significant dust mites will now carry grayscale throughout the Citadel. Maybe. Yeah. That's what fends the White Walkers off for good. <laughs> <laughs> you see the hesitation with Sam shaking Jorah's hand. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like, is this something that is going to be okay? But I thought that that was... Mm-hmm. 
I almost wanted almost wanted Sam to just go with him. You know, just just go go with Jorah. Go with Jorah. Leave the Citadel. But I, I know that there's stuff for him to learn and there's obviously much more for him to discover here as we talked about on our last episode. So I think it's I think it's good that he's not kicked out yet. Yeah. And that he's he's still got the opportunity to to learn. But there was that part of me that was just you know, just just head back with Jorah. Let's all just converge on Dragonstone, mm-hmm. and everything will be fine. That'd be fantastic if if Jor if Jorah and Sam went off together to the wall. That'd be oh, so <laughs> great. It would be amazing. Yeah. I know. I want Jorah to go to the wall. Join the Night's Watch. He'd look good in black. Well, I notice, think. Notice actually, Ooh, he was worn a yellow shirt for six years. Um, <laughs> he put on a black shirt when he left there. <gasps> okay. So. Don't okay. know if that means anything at all, but I'm gonna take that as confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a few things that we have to say. Sam, you're responsible now. You have to go to the ruins of Valyria and just help these people. And also we need to start we need to alert hello, everybody. Grayscale can be cured, mm-hmm. okay? Apparently very easily. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. Can it be cured very easily? Because Sam can do it, but as Slughorn slash I always forget his name because I call him Slughorn in my head. Um, (laughs) He said that, you know, many other people who are much more learned than Sam have failed. And so did Sam discover a new way to do it or did he just get really lucky? He just followed the directions. He just followed the directions. Yeah. (laughs) He had that Half-Blood Prince textbook then (laughs) because he was awesome at it. Oh, this scene is really just his amortizer yes. was perfect. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> he stirred it reverse clockwise, did everything right. He, has, he uh, came out on the other side instead of chopped them up. Yeah, yeah, he crushed them with the side of his blade mm-hmm. with a silver knife. Yes. <laughs> I mean, he had to have. I'm just saying, he had to have for Jorah. I don't know. The show is so believable in so many ways, and now all of a sudden, Jorah has mm. no grayscale. I'm not mad about it, but yeah. I don't I know. Mean to bring I, I don't down. know. What, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't know what to make of it. Is Zach, it a real thing? Zach, am I getting this right? You wanted Jura to become a man made of stone. How dare you? <laughs> I would never, never say that. I would never say it. I would never mean it. Not the son of Jor Mormont. Not the friend now of Samuel Tarly and of Tyrion Lannister and of others before him. I would not say that about Jorah. I'm just saying he uh, got cured of that grayscale pretty quickly. Very quickly. Really Just in saying. about um, pretty easy. It was all that rest. Jorah Jura looked like he'd been in the sun for like ten minutes too long or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like, like a, a really a, bad sunburn. <laughs> Post sunburn. <laughs> That's already been yeah. healed. And then you have an unguent of beeswax and pine needles uh. smeared all over yourself. And hey ho, magically, <laughs> within a matter of presumably days, you're cured. Mm-hmm. Remarkable. I I hope they get that news out. Are you guys ready to? Give your definitive own for episode three. Yes, I am. I'm ready. I am. Yes, I, I've given mine. I'm going to go for the the dust mites because they they flash, and I think that sounds pretty cool for a dust mite. <laughs> That's pretty solid. <laughs> I'm going to go with the crowd and give it to Olena for uh, being a badass, even in death. Good. I was so good. I mean, you can't you can't argue with that. Zach? I'm going to give my own, I think this is the first time I've done it so far this season, but from the beginning of the episode, I was struck by the cinematography. And so part of my own goes to PJ Dillon, the director of photography for this episode. Um, It wouldn't have been as powerful without Ramin Javadi's music in the background. So part of it goes to him and to Mark Mylod for 
just bringing all of their talents together and I think directing a truly standout in so many different ways, so many different forms of the craft and filmmaking and understanding where this episode fits in, I believe, not knowing what comes next in season seven and, and where it fits in. And I think in just the pantheon of television, I think that they're doing a stand-up job uh, pushing the scale and the grandeur of Game of Thrones forward while mixing in, like I said earlier, a lot of a lot of sincere and humble shots with some pretty big, larger-than-life characters and some pretty larger-than-life places. And it really worked, and I loved it. So own to them. Man, that was a good own. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, I think I totally agree. I think you hit the nail on the head. It was beautiful. I think you hit it right on the head. Okay, my own. This moment that made me scream more than anything else in this episode, which is when Daenerys was talking to John about if she if he knew that let me get this right. Daenerys was talking to John about whether or not he knew if his father knew that his best friend <laughs> sent <laughs> that his best friend Robert sent people to kill Danny. If 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 Ned knew and understood that Danny was supposed to be assassinated under Robert's rule. And I just wanted to scream so loudly that can someone just please tell Danny what Ned did so that she can understand. And that's something that that may come out later. But um, own to to that scene. He was a great man. (laughs) (laughs) Own to Ned Stark, I guess, for (laughs) making the right call. You're doing amazing, Mm -hmm. sweetie. I miss you. (laughs) Doing amazing. Someone should say, no, it it was Varys and Jorah, actually, Danny. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Your two buddies. For real. Well, those are our owns for the episode, and we have been staring and receiving yours all night and i just don't want to give spoilers away for the episode that's that's coming up but i think that they might take the cake they yeah. might win as always there is some unbelievable owns being sent our way and you've still got plenty of time to send yours in um, and you can do that in a ton of different ways on our twitter feed um, by tweeting us at game of owns or by writing on our facebook wall game of owns or by sending us a, an email to contact at game and you've got some time before we get to our midweek episode where we read all of our faves on our other podcast rewatch the throne available on stitcher premium we are in karth jorah is trying to convince danny to leave because the dragons are gone forever and there's no way we can possibly get them back from the House of the Undying. But as we've learned in this episode, Danny is capable of much more. So if you want to follow along with our rewatch, you can do that on rewatchthethrone.com or check it out on Stitcher Premium. Lady Gwyn, Yoke Boy, thank you guys so much for coming on. Radio Westeros is, you know, one of the most highly respected things in the entire A Song of Ice and Fire Game of Thrones community, let alone among the podcasts. And, uh, you guys put in so much work mm-hmm. into your episodes. And I know you have such a dedicated following and your commentary has been much appreciated on this episode. We're so glad you came. Thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure to be here. I'm very happy that you invited us. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting us. If any of you guys are book fanatics, come and, come and check us out. We're Radio Westeros. Um, we're on iTunes, YouTube, all the usual places. And thank you to Zach and Hannah for this kind invitation. We have loved being on here. We are so glad. Radio Westeros was actually the first 
Game of Thrones podcast I've ever listened to. No, no big deal. Right. I, I I love the approach that you guys have with themes and characters as full episode topics and the way that you title it and present it. I think it's such an interesting way to, you know, give attention to a lot of the stuff from the story that, you know, a show like ours necessarily can't with the way that the episodes flow and the way that we're going chapter by chapter through the books. And it's just, I don't know. I, I really like what you guys are doing. Oh, thank you. Thank, Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much. I think we've got, you know, fairly different formats, but, you know, there's something for everyone for podcast listeners in this fandom, isn't there? There's, there's all sorts of... Uh, different styles and uh, all amounts to good entertainment for the fandom i think yeah absolutely i tried my best to get you you guys to con of thrones this year but i know that we'll be working mm-hmm. on it yes. in the future and yes. so excited about that but in the meantime i know you guys are doing episodes during the season with our friends aziza shea and sean at history of westeros and people should mm-hmm. definitely check that yes, out for sure once a week we're on with them yeah once a week we broadcast live with history of westeros and we're with our guests it's it's really interesting we we analyze the tv show from a kind of book readers perspective so come and check out our live stream i'm so glad that this is the episode that we got to share with you guys because i just feel like it is so far the most memorable one of the season so again thank you for hanging out with us and for everything that you guys do in fandom and it's just been such a blast i hope you guys come back soon well, please come you. back we'll come back anytime you guys good. thank you for making it good, easy good, good. Well. <laughs> we'll be back later this week with justice with more queen's justice <laughs>